time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, November 30th, 2020, the final day of the month of November. And then you know what, guys? One month left in this crazy year that is 2020. I can't believe we are on the final stretch, down the home stretch, as they say. Uh, some good things, some still bad things going on all around the country, really, and uh, Southern California for sure. But you know what, guys? One day left of this month and then one more month left in this year. So I know a lot of people are excited about that, and that's kind of why I have been uh, counting it down, if you will, because I know a lot of people are just really itching to turn the calendar and get to 2021. Uh, we talked on Friday about a fun Thanksgiving, uh, filling you in on the Thanksgiving activities uh, and just kind of overall uh, what Thanksgiving is about and kind of feels like, uh, especially now, this time of year, this uh, this year in 2020. But uh, I, I will say the weekend offered up a lot of leftovers, plenty of leftovers. Uh, we got our fill, as I mentioned earlier about Thanksgiving, that it's more than just Thursday. It's more than just dinner or lunch or whenever you eat on uh, Thanksgiving. It is uh, It is all about the leftovers, and there was plenty to eat. I definitely have uh, eaten way too much this weekend for four consecutive days. It's time to try to uh, take a step back, if you will, on Monday uh, up until Christmas, probably. So that's the plan. That is the plan, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how uh, how good I can be. But uh, there's plenty of crazy things that occurred over the weekend in the sports world. There was a big boxing match between uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. that we will get to. There was some college football storylines, and there was plenty to talk about in the NFL on Sunday. There is another game tonight scheduled on Monday night um, between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles, which is the which is usually the final game of the week. Uh, but there's also another game Tuesday between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers that has been pushed back all the way from Thanksgiving night due to some COVID concerns and uh, all kinds of uh, stuff going on, all kinds of issues. So. Not sure if they're going to get that game in, but I hope they do so that the NFL can stay on track. Uh, we are going to talk about a lot of sports topics today, as we often do on our new Monday uh, format. Uh, we were supposed to be joined by my brother, Sam. I don't know if he's going to be able to join me or not. Uh, we wait and see. He's a busy man. We record this on Sunday night. I was actually down in Orange County hanging out with my brother to watch uh, some football on Sunday and I told him, hey, be ready. We're going to record tonight, right? Recording. And so he's supposed to be here through a Zoom call. But uh, you know what? Sometimes things happen. So either way, it'll be me breaking down the action. Or hopefully uh, I will be joined by my brother, Sam, as he was on last week. And, and I got to tell you, I don't know if you guys enjoyed kind of he and I, our banter, talking about the, the uh, recap of the NFL and college football and everything. But it was a lot easier for me to uh, discuss everything when it's not just me. I don't mind doing it just me, but it's it's a lot better. I think it flows better when we can kind of have a conversation 
about different topics and such. So uh, I don't know if Sam will be here or not, but uh, if he is, he is uh, welcome to uh, to join me in some conversation of uh, some various football activities that we saw over the weekend. Um, I want to mention something about, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that we see in sports, uh, especially in, in uh, that's the actual term in football, right? College or, or pro. And I think getting an, un, a, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, especially some of the very um, self, I mean, they're, they're just very selfish acts. You see guys get in fights and stuff and it's like, okay, guys are defending their guy or whatever. But I just think for you to be so selfish to get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, you you make something all about you. That's one of the worst things a teammate can do, in my opinion. If you're stepping up to defend someone, I kind of get that. But to, to get something where it's like, hey, look how great I am, or to taunt somebody, or to, I don't know, just over-celebrate, or to, uh, you know, throat slash, whatever. Whatever you, you get various unsportsmanlike penalties. I just think it's one of the, the most selfish things uh, that that we see in sports. And and I had a memory pop up from my officiating days. Uh, there were some great coaches out there, some great uh, junior college coaches, especially who really had to uh, lead their team with an iron fist because some of the athletes in junior college football are a little, uh, a little bit wild at times. And so there was a play one time where a guy high stepped into the end zone and he was flagged for it. You know, he was, he was uh, over celebrating and he made it all about him. Right. So as he's going to the sideline, his head coach, God bless him, was out there at the numbers basically and grabbed him and at the top of his lungs shouted, you selfish. And I'll leave it right there <laughs> with what he said. And I thought it was great. I loved the the leadership that I saw from from a coach that day, and it really stuck with me. I was like, you know what? I can't think of a really a, a non selfish, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I really can't. Some you know, everyone wants players to dance and uh, all these orchestrated dance touch touchdown celebrations and stuff. I mean, I I, I guess they're cool. Whatever. I, I'm not that into it. But when you see a guy who's just absolutely uh, so selfish that all he cares about is himself and not his teammates. That's where I have a problem. And I think most people would have a problem. So that was just a thought, uh, over the weekend. And I'm not saying guys don't get ejected. Guys don't, you know, get too aggressive or something. But when you see some of these penalties in any sport, really, where it's all about you, you know, you're the only, you're the spotlight. No one else matters out there. That's just something that never sits well with me. And it was something I thought I'd mention. So uh, anyway, uh, again, fun show ahead. We had a great show on Friday with Gabe Perez, who chatted with me a lot about some UFC, some fighting, uh, his small business being a CrossFit North Pasadena uh, gym that uh, has since been closed and kind of what that whole process has been like. Uh, Fun conversation with Gabe. So if you haven't had a chance, definitely go back and listen to that Uh, as usually happens on our schedule here. We should be joined by Bill Barnes on Wednesday as he is pretty much done with this whole COVID thing that he's experienced. So he'll continue to fill us in. We'll keep our distance and do another Zoom call with Bill on Wednesday morning and try to have that out with you by uh, by noon or so, give or take. Um, but, but I will say uh, some of the big news that occurred over the weekend 
lots of things. College basketball started up. I mean, it just kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, oh yeah, they're playing. Um, and it's usually around this time of year, but I thought it was cool that, Hey, the more and more sports that they get on television, I, I think it's great stuff. I think it's outstanding. And, uh, there were already some upsets, uh, Richmond, uh, Richmond beat Kentucky. Uh, there were some other, uh, games. I know, uh, we've had a coach on this show, Joe Wellman, who coaches over at California Baptist university. They opened up their season this week and they lost an overtime at USC. So, uh, quite a start for the Lancers over there. Uh, we are going to have Joe Wellman on the program here, uh, in the near future, probably in a couple weeks to tell us about how college basketball really has gotten going and and also some of the protocols maybe some of the nonsense that goes on behind the scenes as far as teams operating in this current climate because i'm very curious as i'm sure plenty of you are out there about how teams are going about their business and continuing to operate in this uh this weird time that we're in so we'll get some insight from our college basketball analyst insider whatever you want to call joe wellman as a head is not a head coach, but an assistant coach at California Baptist University. We'll talk to him in a couple weeks, but I'm just happy to see college basketball on. Uh, for me, that's like coming full circle because if you guys remember, it was college basketball in March Madness and some conference tournaments where they were they were going on right as the COVID thing hit us here in America and uh, people started to cancel things. Heck, I remember it was a Big East tournament, I think, or Big Ten, maybe if uh, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, it was there was a conference tournament going on, and they shut the game down at halftime. Said, "Nope, no more games." And so to see college basketball come back, make a comeback, and start up again, I, I think that's great. That's step one. That's step one as far as uh, all the other sports uh, coming back. So. Uh, good stuff. No, no crowds from what I've seen. It's an indoor sport, which uh, has a whole nother uh, bunch of obstacles. And there is some controversy about some of the policies, some of the uh, restrictions and such. Uh, you know, people go on these 14 day lock quarantines or, or whatever. And I know a lot of coaches are not happy about some of the stuff, but we'll get into all that at uh, at some point. Uh, as college basketball progresses, especially after uh, the football season winds down. But we still have plenty of college football to talk about and uh, lots of NFL action, of course. I know there's been a lot of cancellations in college football. We'll get to that in a second. And with the NFL, some of the uh, obstacles they've faced, they have been able to stay on schedule for the most part. Moved a few games around, so I applaud them for that. Um, they are looking to start up their their playoffs in January like they normally do. And you know what? If the Super Bowl gets pushed back to mid-February or something, I don't think that's going to break a lot of hearts. I mean, people like watching football in the NFL. And, and again, with college football, if they get pushed back a little bit too, I think most people are going to be all in favor of it, especially when you saw all the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, all the changes that – uh, they went through over the summer. So everyone's adjusting well, and I hope college basketball uh, does the same, and they have some contingency plans in moving forward. So lots of good things. Um, some uh, not-so-good good thing that occurred over the weekend was Detroit Lions coach Matt Patricia was fired after roughly two and a half seasons with the Detroit Lions. Uh, the former defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots was let go uh, after the Thursday loss to the Houston Texans, 
Um, they waited until Saturday and made that official. Uh, just never really could get anything going. Uh, he was 13, 29, and one as a head coach and uh, just very inconsistent play. And when you really look at the Lions, the Detroit Lions, I mean, what a bad organization that is. As bad as your team might be, whoever's listening to this, think of the Lions. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game. I thought I heard this right, 1958. I'll have to look that up. But uh, I could not believe when I heard that. And they've just been so consistently bad. And and, and I'd, I'd say, well, the Jacksonville Jaguars too, but they've had some playoff wins. And they, ha- they also haven't been around that long. So... <laughs> Uh, it's just crazy to me. Let's see here. Detroit's last playoff victory was back in 1991 uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. So it wasn't that long ago, but there was 1950, maybe there was a championship or something. Anyway, that's still a long time. That's still almost, uh, let's see, 29 years since the Lions won a playoff game. Uh, pretty wild. Uh, so anyway, the Lions, I don't know who they're going to go after. Uh, I'm curious, maybe Jim Harbaugh, would that fit? A coach there in the state of Michigan who's struggling maybe and looking to get back into the NFL. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Just an idea. Don't quote me on it. Just, uh, you know, thinking thinking down the road and, and see. Uh, I, I do think Jim Harbaugh eventually does come back to the NFL. And, and I don't know if he, you know, maybe heads to the Bears, maybe heads to the Lions. Uh, just a thought. So Matt Patricia, I'm sure he'll find a defensive coordinator job somewhere. But I can honestly say this, that, you know, we all look at, certain people coaches and it's like okay yeah that guy's a head coach no that guy's you know he's a good coach but he's just a defensive coordinator he's an offensive coordinator i don't think it it takes anything away from your knowledge like when a guy isn't quite fit for a head coach because think of your line of work not all of us are meant to be in the number one chair some of us are pretty good in the number two chair or even the sixth chair right Some of us are good at being a vice president, not a president, or uh, maybe not quite a manager, but an assistant manager uh, at our job. And so when when you uh, are number one, all responsibility, everything that happens is on your watch is, is uh, it it falls on you. So Matt Patricia, I I think he was probably a decent hire at the time because he had been with the Patriots for, for so long. But it just never quite worked out, and I I think ultimately he's probably just not uh, a number one kind of guy. I could be wrong, I could be wrong, of course, because it was it was Detroit, so who knows if he got a fair shot. But uh, Matt Patricia let go, and, and it goes on to uh, we we continue to see I should say Bill Belichick assistant coaches kind of not do so well. I think Brian Flores in Miami is actually doing pretty well. But last year he he really struggled and then turned that team around. But uh, Miami is um, I, I think they're they're doing well. They're they're going to be okay. But overall, you talk about Bill Belichick assistant coaches who go on to become head coaches. You know they struggle a little bit. Josh McDaniel when he was a head coach at Denver they were okay, but uh, not quite up to par. Not quite up to Belichick par. And uh, uh, Matt Patricia, uh, you know another one. Um, there's been plenty out there plenty of names and, and uh, I don't know if, if there's anything to that but it does seem to be something that uh, continues to happen where his former assistants don't quite fare too well uh, at the head coaching uh, and head coaching position but I think a lot of them do circle back and come back to Bill uh, in New England and I think that might be the case with Patricia we'll see if he winds up in New England or winds up on uh, another 
uh, assistant coaches, uh, a former assistant of Belichick, if he winds up on one of those staff. So keep your eyes peeled there. But Matt Patricia, first coach to fall in the uh, coaching carousel that is the National Football League. Well, I'm still waiting on my brother Sam. Haven't received a call from him yet, so we might just have to dive into some of this action uh, myself. I've already kind of done a little bit already, but uh, I will wait a couple more minutes for him before I officially dive in and start breaking down some of the action from Saturday, college football, as well as the big fight that occurred, and then finish it off with some uh, analysis of the NFL games that uh, kicked off on Sunday. So thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to have you. Happy to be kicking off another week of shows, our last show in the month of November. And we hope you will uh, continue to join us here every single Monday on the Get Home Safe podcast. I'm going to wait for my brother Sam to see if he's ready to go. But if not, I will be right back talking plenty about the sports action from over the weekend. Well, so far, no Sam Hersema to be found, so it looks like you guys are stuck with just me for now, at least for the college football segment and uh, Saturday sports, talking about the fight that occurred on Saturday night. Uh, before I break down some of the college football scores and storylines, I, I do want to make mention of something that occurred on Saturday in the SEC. Um, it was all over ESPN and all over various uh, outlets uh, regarding something that occurred in the football game between Vanderbilt and the University of Missouri. Uh, Missouri won the game 41 nothing, so that's kind of, uh, okay, big deal there. Uh, but in the game, the 0-8 Vanderbilt Commodores uh, now decided to uh, uh, put out on the field uh, a young lady, Sarah Fuller, to play uh, for them to be a kicker. They never were in position to kick an extra point or a field goal, so she did not get an attempt there. But she did get to kick off in the second half of the game when uh, Vanderbilt was down 21 to nothing. Uh, Sarah Fuller, she is a goalkeeper on the Vanderbilt SEC women's soccer team. Um, she went out there to kick the ball. She kicked uh, kind of a low squib kick, uh, about 25 yards, uh, give or take, and it was down at the 35-yard line uh, of Missouri. So m my point of all this, okay, it was a huge story. Uh, ESPN made it seem like um, Sarah Fuller had cured cancer or something when she went out there. Uh, I want to say this. Do, do not take this the wrong way. I think it's cool. Hey, a, a female is uh, playing in uh, college football. I think it's great. Um, first woman to play in a power five conference. Okay. I know a lot of you are thinking what in the world Vanderbilt's in a power five conference. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're, they're the last place team in the sec every year, at least in football. And, uh, you know what, again, Sarah, Sarah Fuller. Hey, I applaud you for suiting up for going out there and, uh, making history. Yeah. Very cool stuff. All right. But, but can ESPN, can you guys stop with this like heroic, uh, titles and everything, uh, of of someone like Sarah Fuller who goes out there and kicks off one time in a blowout game and, and act like she is just like this this huge pioneer that's paving the way for women to play in Power Five football or something. Can can we st stop being so dramatic with these things? I don't know how many times I have to say this. I'm gonna say again. I thought it was great, cool. A woman playing Power Five football, very cool, awesome. There's. Uh, I'm not one of these guys who's like, ah, she shouldn't be playing, man. She, I'm, No, that's not what I'm saying. 
I think one more time, I think it's great. She achieved something no one else had done before, but can we stop with this? Like, Oh, the first time ever, this is a long suffering journey. And she plays on the women's soccer team. She's a great soccer player. They said, Hey, come kick some football. See, we, we don't, we don't got anyone better. Uh, help us out. She didn't get a shot to kick an extra point or a field goal yet. She probably will. And I think that's great. If she, there's been other women who, who have not played in the power five who have kicked field goals or extra points to my knowledge. I believe there's been a few, but she's the first one to play in one of the power five conferences, sec, ACC, big 12, uh, big 10 pac 12. All right, fine. But man alive, it like led sports center, Sarah Fuller. And this is no knock on her at all. One more time for you and people in the back or who are not hearing me correctly. I think it's great. But unbelievable, the the coverage of this thing and and some of the haters out there, yeah, they pointed a few things out like, um, you know, she kicked the ball like 25 yards. That's kind of bad for a kickoff. That's not very good. All right. Another time I'll say it. I think it's great. I think it's great. I'm trying to cover myself here because someone's going to not like what I'm saying here. Sarah Fuller, congrats on making history. Okay, but ESPN and all these news outlets who treated this story like it was the biggest sports story in 2020 just had me like baffled. All right. ESPN does this a lot where they like try to push an agenda or I don't know what they're trying to do, but they take something that's not a big deal and they make it into a big deal and they brush aside a lot of big deal type things, at least to me. But anyway, I I am more just kind of pushed back by the coverage of this thing. Sarah Fuller kicked off in the second half against Missouri down 21, nothing. And they lost the game. Uh, what did I say? 41 to nothing. Never kicked an extra point or a field goal. And I'm sure she'll get a chance. I hope she does. But this whole hero worship of someone for, for stepping on a field and, and, and kicking the ball. Uh, I'm not hating here. I'm really not. I'm talking about the media coverage of it. Like it was some type of, uh, um, you know, unbelievable, astronomical, uh, whatever word you want to use, just uh, super emotional situation. And uh, I, I, I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her family. They, I saw the footage. They all seem pretty thrilled about it all. Uh, one more time. I think it's cool. But the media's coverage of this thing was blown up way out of proportion, in my opinion. Come on. I mean, just stop. I think it goes to show you with kind of where the media is, especially the sports media. Sports media, <laughs> they are they are turning more and more nerdy as we get. And, and some of the stories you see from the sports media uh, overnight is just like, dude, you got to be kidding me. Really? What, who who made that a story? I, I've tuned out, turned off a lot of uh, ESPN radio and different podcasts and stuff because some of the subject matter, I'm like, why is this a discussion right now? Can you, can you can you talk to me about the Pittsburgh 3-4 defense? I, I don't need to hear that a, 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 a female uh, played in an SEC game and kicked kicked the ball off in the second half, down 21-0 in a kind of a irrelevant play that didn't really matter. Okay, fine. Tell me once. But but I don't need it to be told to me eight times in SportsCenter or whatever. So I've already – I spent enough time on this. I'm sorry. I do apologize. I will apologize for, for – acting like the media and making a big deal about something. Uh, that is my apologies. But um, I guess I expect more from the sports media. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that. I don't know. 
Uh, but congrats, Sarah, Sarah Fuller, uh, to, to um, playing the in the SEC, which is uh, something uh, you know. No, I don't know anyone who played in the SEC. So hey, great, great stuff. Congrats again. Uh, I just I think the media blew up <laughs> the whole thing quite a bit. Uh, anyway, let's talk some football. Let's ch- chat about uh, some games that occurred on Saturday. I think some big news uh, happened down in Ann Arbor up in Ann Arbor, I should say, where the Michigan Wolverines lost yet again. And it wasn't just that they lost, but they lost to Penn State. They lost to the previously 0-5 Penn State, 27-17. Jim Harbaugh and company falls to 2-4, and four, another loss in the in the big house. And uh, I keep saying it every week. I don't know what to make of this, this Michigan team. I also don't know what to make of Penn State. You saw those two teams on the schedule and you thought, oh, man, that'll be a great game. And it was a decent game. I watched some of it, but for them to not have any of the uh, decent records that you would normally see there, um, you know, I find that that was a little uh, just not disturbing, but uh, just uh, uh, unfortunate. But uh, anyway, Penn State get their first win, twenty-seven seventeen. Um, the San Diego State Aztecs and Colorado Buffaloes played a non-conference game which is significant because both of those teams in those conferences were not going to play uh, non-conference games in the Pac-12 and Mountain West, respectively. But with some of the COVID uh, cancellations and everything, uh, they managed to throw that game together. So again, I applaud teams who are adjusting on the fly here. Um, Colorado go, improves to 3-0. and San Diego State uh, fell to 3-3. Three and three. But you know what? The fact that teams are able to get games in, I, I think, is great and uh, and just really uh, really significant for this crazy season that we are in. Uh, UCLA got a victory at the Rose Bowl on Saturday, beating Arizona twenty-seven to ten. After seeing Arizona play in a few games now, uh, I just I cannot believe how bad they are, and I think it speaks volumes of USC, who beat Arizona, uh, but it, it took you know. It, it 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 took some uh so the, the game went down to the wire we'll say and uh probably shouldn't shouldn't have that with uh USC and Arizona so Arizona uh excuse me Wildcats yeah sorry uh struggling on their young season and I think it speaks volumes about uh you know the likes of USC who uh, struggled with Arizona uh, the fact that uh, they barely beat them, and you know USC was off this week because of COVID. Their game was canceled with some some of their COVID uh, things that occurred in their program. Um, so unfortunately, they lose a game, and now with a three and zero record and only two games remaining, that means Clay Helton will finish with a winning record at USC uh, unless they get into the Pac-12 championship game and they lose that, then they'd finish five. I don't I don't know how it all works. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, USC. Uh, hopefully, they don't lose any more football games. Uh, there were some great games on Friday that occurred. North Carolina Notre Dame was pretty good for about three quarters. The Irish prevailed thirty-one to seventeen over the Tar Heels. The Stanford Cal game, the big game, as they as they say, I believe is what it's called. Uh, Stanford beats Cal twenty-four twenty-three. Uh, late field goal there, uh, and another another rivalry game. Oregon State with the big upset of the Oregon Ducks, 41-38. Oregon State scored with under a minute left, I believe, and stunned the Ducks uh, on a Friday evening. And uh, now I would honestly say, I didn't think the Pac-12 really had a shot anyway to get into the college football playoff. 
but now I think it's officially over. The fact that Oregon lost a game and that USC has uh, not lost a game, but but dropped a game from their schedule. So only playing six games, you really can't afford to have any canceled. And unfortunately, they're only going to have a five-game resume, which I don't think uh, is going to cut it. Sure, they're going to get the Pac-12 title game. So Oregon and USC will probably meet in that Pac-12 title game. Uh, but still, I don't think it's going to be, be enough to get in the college football playoff. That's just my opinion. Uh, some other news from Saturday, the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn, uh, the number one team against the number 22nd team, uh, one of the best rivalries in sports, the Alabama Crimson Tide cruising to a victory 42 to 13. Nick Saban was not in attendance and some of the interviews and um, quotes I heard from him in saying that, yeah, there, he was at home and he did find himself screaming at the TV quite a bit and uh, almost throwing a few things through the through the television screen. And all I got to tell to Nick Saban is, yeah, how does it feel, Nick? How's it feel to, to uh, well, you're not cheering for a team. You're coaching a team or, or watching your team play. Uh, but I think most of us fans can relate to that. You know, and you're and you're the guy in charge, and I'm sure it's tough when you don't have any control from your couch. Uh, but you know what? Neither do we, and that's how most of us fans feel. So I thought that was rather intriguing. But Alabama did win the game big, and they look to be cruising and and rolling right along with their season. Uh, Florida, number six team in the country, they look to be headed uh, on a collision course with Alabama in the SEC championship game uh, here shortly. They beat uh, Kentucky 34 to 10. And kind of a low-scoring uh, first half, I'd say. Um, but the the um, Gators did prevail over the Kentucky Wildcats, thirty-four to ten. And uh, Kyle Trask, you know, just continues to do it. Uh, didn't quite throw for three hundred yards this week, but did throw for three more touchdowns. So the Florida Gators offense seems to be uh, improving. I'm looking forward to them playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, I think that will really be a uh, an, an impressive. Uh, contest and I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech in a shootout, 94 points scored. Uh, Oklahoma State wins 50 to 44. I've knocked on the Big 12 for their defense uh, defensive performances uh, before, so I won't get into that. But that was a score that jumped out to me. With college basketball starting, I thought, oh man, that's kind of an early uh, conference game to be playing, and and then I realized, oh, that's a football score. Interesting, very interesting. So uh, those are some of the scores. Uh, from the college football weekend that was Clemson, another big win, 52-17 to 17 over Pittsburgh. And uh, more than likely, um, Trevor Lawrence's final game, final home game for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, he did it in style, threw for 400 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Clemson Tigers improved to 8-1. and one. And uh, pretty odd. I know he's a junior. He's probably coming out and will be the number one pick in the draft. Um, in the National Football League, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, final game probably at Clemson. Big storyline there. Um, a big upset, well, I'll say a big upset, but Northwestern uh, previously undefeated with some big wins, uh, maybe a letdown game this week against Michigan State. They lose 29-20 to to fall to 5-1, and one, the previously 2-2 two and two Michigan State Spartans. Uh, they kind of pushed Northwestern around. They seem to be a lot more physical and uh, Northwestern did tie the game kind of late, uh, but it was ultimately the uh, Michigan State Spartans who won the game. And that's a tough loss for, for the, uh, the Wildcats of, uh, of Northwestern because they were uh, playing really good football. 
and they still got some good football left in them. Uh, I'm curious to see if they get a shot in the Big Twelve, Big Ten title game, uh, probably against Ohio State. But Ohio State again didn't play this week because they had a COVID cancellation. So uh, a lot of drama going on with these teams that can't quite get games played uh, and losing games. And that was one of the fears when when you started to talk about you know the six or seven game season starting in November, super late in the year. Because if there was going to be some cancellations, you couldn't make up those games. And, hey, there's not much more you can say about it. So one of the best rivalries in college football, Minnesota-Wisconsin, that was canceled. The uh, The battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, that's a fun game. And usually whoever wins that runs behind uh, the other team's bench or whatever, or wherever the, the big axe is, and uh, grabs the axe and and uh, holds on to that thing for a year. So that's one of the best rivalries in sports. But uh, that's kind of uh, all the storylines in college football from the weekend. Not Nothing uh, really to write home about. Nothing, No big news or anything. Um, Iowa State did beat Texas 23-20. Uh, Iowa State improves to 7-2. and And it looks like they might be on their way to uh, be in the mix for the Big 12 championship. Uh, Texas falls to 5-3. and uh, can't quite uh, get back, as Sam Ellinger said, uh, proclaimed a couple years ago. He plays good football, but you know what? Uh, Texas continues to be uh, kind of in there like USC, like Michigan, all these uh, Penn State, all these programs that have fancy names but haven't quite delivered uh, in recent years. So uh, congrats to the Iowa State Cyclones on the big win there. Well, on Saturday night, outside of college football, there was a rather entertaining boxing uh, fight card. Uh, the big the big uh, main card, main event was Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson, 51 and 54 years young, respectively. And I wasn't going to watch the fight. I said, no, nah, I'm not going to pay 50 bucks for this. And then, you know what? I go, well, you know what? What else am I going to do? So uh, I threw it on there. Watched the entire card. I was actually impressed with a couple of the early fights. Pretty good stuff. And then the the co-main event between Nate Robinson and Jake Paul. Uh, it lived up to some expectation too. Uh, Nate Robinson, the former NBA uh, star, he came out. He's an incredible athlete. He's tried out for NFL teams before and everything. But he, he tried his hand at boxing against the uh, YouTube sensation, Jake Paul. And Jake Paul's only had one other professional fight to uh, Nate Robinson's uh, zero fights. And Nate Paul, or excuse me, Jake Paul didn't just knock out Nate Robinson. He actually knocked him down three times. And the third time was the final blow. Uh, Nate looked like he wasn't quite sure what he was getting in for. Uh, He tried to attack Jake Paul and Paul just uh, has some pretty good boxing skills. I'll I'll give him that. And um, I don't know a whole lot about Jake Paul and his brother, Logan Paul. They're these big YouTube stars or, or whatever, but they appear to be committing to this boxing thing. They're both young. Um, they, they got some skills and they're, they're really studying the craft. So I'm not saying they're going to be, you know, uh, belt holders and, and, you know, world champs or anything, but keep your eye on the Paul brothers um, uh, and seeing what they can do uh, over the next few years in the sport of boxing. And uh, again, Jake Paul knocking out Nate Robinson in the co-main event. And it was rather funny. I was uh, sitting there watching it with all with Valerie and everything. And, uh, Snoop Dogg was commentating. Israel Adesanya, who the UFC uh, fighter, he was there commentating. Pretty good, pretty entertaining stuff. Uh, I know there was some uh, musical uh, things going on before each fight, and uh, I know my brother Sam uh, really likes that stuff. And uh, so I think you got kind of your money's worth on uh, on 
on uh, what was that Saturday night between uh, with all the fight cards and everything. So boxing uh, kind of different, very different indeed. Uh, Mike Tyson, I thought looked pretty good. He looked very explosive. Roy Jones kind of looked tired the whole fight, but Jones was very strategic in his movements. Um, he kind of locked up Tyson quite a bit, uh, kind of some stall tactics, if you will, it seemed like. But every time he thought Tyson was going to get going, Roy Jones kind of countered him just enough. And those two-minute rounds went really fast. I'll say that. Uh, watching the eight two-minute rounds, uh, a very quick fight. I wish it would have been uh, you know, maybe 10 rounds, three minutes each. Uh, but I know the guys are older and kind of coming out of retirement, so I, I guess I understand that. Uh, but it was weird for me at the end of the fight, referee Ray Corona, who I think is one of the best in the business, um, he, he went to, he grabbed each fighter's wrist, you know, ready to raise his, his, one of their hands. And then they like went to commercial or they broke away from the ring. And then a few minutes later, then it's Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. standing there with Jim Gray, the broadcaster. And they kind of went away from the whole raising your arms thing. And Jim Gray just said, Hey guys, uh, we have, we have a decision. It's a, it's a draw. And it was like, I know that I know it wasn't like officially being scored, but it was rather odd. It was just like, Oh, Hey guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for fighting. It's a draw. It was just like, what? Uh, Tyson didn't look happy. Uh, Roy Jones, he thought he did. Okay. He thought he, he deserved a draw or, uh, or whatever, but Tyson was like, wait a minute. I won that fight. And, and I thought he won the fight. I know a lot of people that watched it thought he won the fight whether you're technically keeping score or not. I mean, come on. I think, I, I don't know if there was official boxing judges doing it. They said there were some former WBC judges or something like that, but it was just like we were kept in the dark. And I know it was an exhibition, but come on. I mean, I don't know if they set that up just like, Hey, both guys survived. Let's, uh, let's just call it a draw or whatever. But I think those who tuned in really wanted to see a decision. They really wanted to see uh, Iron Mike with his hand raised. When we're, I, I think he did too. And 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 I liked what they kind of said to each other. Each fighter was very respectful of each other. Had a good conversation with each guy. Uh, Jim Gray did that, you know, up on the stage. And Tyson seemed like he was hungry. He seemed, yeah, let's do this again or I'll, I'll fight someone else. So I thought that was rather cool. And I don't know if Mike Tyson will continue to fight, but I hope he does. Seemed like he had his legs... His legs were a little quicker than uh, Roy Jones for sure. And man, some of the, the punches he threw were very explosive. And uh, just, just a good fight for the most part. A little boring at times, but that kind of happens with boxing. There's a lot of strategy involved. There's a lot of you know grabbing and stalling and everything too. So that's just part of it. But I thought uh, we did see some good things from Mike Tyson and, Bo and Roy Jones Jr. as well. So congrats to both of them for getting in the ring at uh, in their 50s which is something I don't think anyone listening to this podcast or definitely myself would, would be able to do. Uh, but it was entertaining. I'll give them that. I'll give everybody that. Uh, the co-main event was cool, seeing Jake Paul knock out Nate Robinson and uh, the other two fights before that, pretty good as well. So I was pleased overall. Um, I wish there would have been a decision at the end and maybe some uh, more explosive punches thrown by each guy. Uh, but overall, I was happy with what we saw on Saturday night in the big uh, boxing event. Uh, and I hope there will be a few more good ones here in the near future. I know that there's a big fight this weekend, Saturday, uh, Errol Spence Jr. against Danny Garcia. That's a Fox pay-per-view. 
Uh, I don't know what time I'm going to get out of work on Saturday as, as I'm kind of going to six days a week now with, with FedEx in the Christmas season. But I, I really hope I get a chance to watch that fight uh, on Saturday. I'm a big, big fan of uh, Errol Spence. I like what he does. And uh, th- that should be a pretty good one. If you're going to get a pay-per-view, if you're going to get one this year, uh, I would I would do that one. That one should be that one should be a good one. So, uh, lots of college football, some good boxing we saw on Saturday. Um, I think overall it was a pretty good sports Saturday. Little low low key, not as many college games because there was a lot of them played on Friday, but uh, just a good kind of uh, I don't know middle of the week weekend, if you will, because with the extended weekend, it, it felt like Sunday almost, Saturday with the, the extra days off and everything. But no, there was one more day remaining uh, for some NFL action, and we're going to get into that here after a quick breath. I'm still awaiting a call from my brother, but I haven't heard from him. So guys, it might just be me again. Sorry, sorry, just going to be me rambling away about NFL action on Sunday. So let me take a sip of water, maybe take a breath, gather my thoughts, and then we'll dive into some NFL action from Sunday this weekend. Well, plenty to talk about in the NFL on Sunday. Lots of good games, some close games, some late drama, some upsets, all kinds of great things. Yeah, I don't really know where to start sometimes, but I will start with one of the most surprising scores from Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday. And that was the Atlanta Falcons uh, taking it to the Las Vegas Raiders 43-6. to uh, this game wasn't even that close. I mean, the, the Falcons were dominating the game, really controlled it. Um, the Raiders, all this talk about them uh, being a potential playoff team, uh, just absolutely looked terrible. And, and the Atlanta Falcons, you know, I, I thought would be a decent team this year, have just found different ways to lose. Well, they they not only closed this game, but they pulled away late, uh, stomping on the Raiders, not even giving them a chance. Um, the Falcons, man, just, just put up points left and right and uh, really had the Las Vegas Raiders uh, very frustrated. And the Raiders fall to 6-5. and five. Falcons go to four and seven, but the, the big story is the, the Raiders. And this could really be a loss that they look back on that hurts their playoff chances. And I was in a group text with some friends and one of my friends said, oh man, I hate these trap games. And I was like, wait a minute, the Las Vegas Raiders haven't been relevant enough in recent history anyway, to, to for you to think that this is a trap game. Every game for them uh, is is still uh, a viable a game that they, they could lose. I, I don't think they've earned the right to to say, "Oh, it was a trap game." That's, those are just my thoughts. So anyway, the Atlanta Falcons just absolutely beat down the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I'm recording this on Sunday night, and currently the Bears and Packers are, are playing. There's only a few minutes left in that game. Packers lead 41 to 17. And uh, Mitch Trubisky got the start for the Bears, but they just look so bad. I think I said it uh, not too long ago, but I think they're done for sure. Uh, Packers look like they're going to improve to eight and three, and uh, be in competition really for that top seed in the NFC um, uh, overall ranking. So uh, watch out for Green Bay as uh, you know we change to December. Um, they seem to play good football that time of year when the weather gets colder. And if they get to play some home games in January, that could really spell uh, trouble for any teams that have to go out there. So Green Bay, uh, probably, most likely, uh, unless there's a dramatic change, probably with a big win uh, over the 
Chicago Bears, and I think the Bears are they're in some trouble. I think not just uh, – I think the, the organization might make some changes. I, I don't think you fire Matt Nagy, I mean, especially after his early success and everything. But um, uh, but overall, I think they've just not played consistently. And you could say the same thing about the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings uh, had a big win on Sunday uh, kind of came from behind. I looked at this. I couldn't believe they were losing by, uh, you know, a couple touchdowns to uh, the Carolina Panthers. And, and say what you want about the Carolina Panthers. Panthers have played hard all year. They've been in games. And uh, they were leading rather late in the game against uh, Minnesota. And wouldn't you know it, the, the Vikings with 18 fourth quarter points to uh, score late with uh, under a minute left, I believe, to beat the Carolina Panthers 28 to 27. So the Minnesota Vikings kind of, to me, them and the Bears are just, they're the exact same team, the exact same team. They're just kind of underachievers a little bit and just like, ah, eh, not quite there, but then they'll kind of be in the mix, but then not, I don't know. They're just very inconsistent. And uh, I, I don't think either of them makes the playoffs, but the Vikings at least are piecing together some wins now whereas the Bears are just totally falling off the map. Uh, let's see here. Where else can we go here in this crazy NFL Sunday? Uh, we we got to talk about the the Chargers, who again lost, uh, this time to the Buffalo Bills, who's a pretty good team. It was in Buffalo. Uh, Justin Herbert had a decent day, but they, they continue to ask him to throw the ball over 50 times, and uh, I just think that's a lot to ask of a rookie quarterback. He's had a great season. He continues to play well, throw, throw for over 300 yards and such. But, man, 52 attempts is, is quite a bit, and they're just asking too much of him, I think. And uh, But maybe next year. Maybe next year the Chargers um, will get off to a fresh start and, and play a little bit better. The Buffalo Bills continue to win. Um, that's the name of the game. And Josh Allen didn't, didn't even throw for 200 yards, threw for 157 yards, and uh, didn't really need to. Didn't really need to do anything uh, more than that. The Bills just kind of steadily – scored it score every quarter and you're just kind of like um this not a machine but they're just they are consistent with the, with their offense and the way they play so it's pretty crazy that the buffalo bills are uh so so high above everyone else in the afc east after so many years of it being dominated by the new england patriots uh let's talk about the new england patriots winners over the arizona cardinals 20 to 17 Arizona missed a field goal late, and then the Patriots managed to uh, kick the game-winning field goal, a 50-yarder from Nick Folk as time expired. And I got to tell you, I think this one's going to come back to bite the Cardinals. They fell to 6-5. and five. They were kind of the hot team. Everyone was talking about them and everything. Uh, but this one, they let get away from them. They couldn't quite get their offense going. They left a lot of points out on the field. And the New England Patriots, uh, I would say led more by Bill Belichick than Cam Newton, uh, <laughs> managed to scrape out a victory. I mean, I don't know what to say about Cam Newton anymore. Everyone that still praises this guy, I mean, 9 of 18 for 84 yards and two interceptions. That's just not going to get it done. I mean, that might get it done for for Denver, who had like a uh, fourth-string practice squad wide receiver playing quarterback uh, for them because all their guys tested positive for COVID. Uh, but – Cam Newton, I mean, you're a former MVP, been to a Super Bowl. I mean, what is going on? You're being coached by one of the best coaches of all time, the greatest coach of all time, and you just – I don't know what to make of the Patriots, and especially Cam Newton. And I told you guys back in July, whenever that was, that that he signed there. I said, this is going to be very interesting. 
very interesting. And I had a feeling that not in a good way. So the tough loss for the Arizona Cardinals, it won't break my heart because they're in the NFC West going up against my Los Angeles Rams, but the Cardinals fall to six and five and you kind of snap your fingers and all of a sudden they're like a 500 team, right? I mean, they're not, they're still better than 500, but down the stretch here, the Cardinals really don't have any room for error, margin for error. They got to piece together some wins and they're in the best division in football. I know they were on the road in Boston and everything, but this is a tough loss for them and one I think they will for sure wish they could get back. The Cardinals host the Rams uh, next Sunday. Uh, Let's see some other games. The Browns, man, they managed to hang on against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27-25. The Jaguars rallied, could not get a two-point conversion to tie the game with a few minutes left. The Browns, I can't believe it. The Cleveland Browns improved to 8-3 and three in Jacksonville. Falls to 1-10. Poor guys. Uh, Baker Mayfield did okay. Didn't didn't uh, throw any interceptions. Um, threw for under 300 yards. Uh, what do you know it? The Browns rushed um, uh, very well. Uh, Nick Chubb had 144 yards rushing. So, um, again, the, the Cleveland uh, rushing attack going for over 200 yards, that is definitely – uh, the method to their mad- madness is to run the ball and run it often and run it uh, run it well. So uh, Baker Mayfield continues to be the best uh, guy that hands the ball off in the league, and uh, the Browns continue to uh, win games. So it looks like the Browns are going to be headed to the playoffs here, and uh, even if they lose a few down the stretch, I think they're going to get in, and uh, we'll be able to see Baker Mayfield in prime time in the playoffs. It's going to be uh, quite exciting. Uh, the other team in the state of Ohio, the poor Bengals, they lost to the New York football Giants 19-17. to uh, Big news from this game is not that the Giants have won their third game in a row, but that quarterback Daniel Jones went down uh, with a hamstring injury. Uh, the, the Giants did manage to put together enough offense to win uh, but we will see what the situation is with the Giants quarterback Daniel Jones uh, hamstring uh, I, I, you never know what to expect uh, from that so the Giants have the ability I know the sound well it sounds weird with anybody you say in the NFC East the Giants have the ability to win this division and remember whoever wins this NFC East will host a playoff game so the, the Giants uh, continue to put put together some wins. Uh, we saw the uh, Washington Redskins win on Thanksgiving night, putting a beat down on the Dallas Cowboys, 41-16. So they won. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles will play on Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks. That should be a good football game. Those two teams really need to get a win on Monday night. The Eagles, obviously, because they've lost so many games, but the Seahawks have been inconsistent the past few weeks, and they really need a W bad. They need one bad because uh, they, you know, the Rams and the Cardinals, and uh, now even the 49ers getting in the mix. I think uh, there could be some real issues if Seattle uh, continues to lose a few games. So they, they really need to put together a good performance over the Eagles on Monday night. Uh, I, t- I talked about the Broncos, those poor guys, no quarterback. There's not much you can do without a quarterback. And I, and I don't mean a backup quarterback or a third string quarterback. They had no quarterbacks available really. And they, they got blown out by these saints 31 to three. Uh, not much to say about that game, except, uh, you got to keep your quarterbacks healthy, whether it be on the field or in the classroom, uh, with COVID and everything. Uh, dolphins beat the jets 20 to three poor jets. Uh, fall to 0-11. I, I really do think at this point they are going to lose 16 games and be, what would that be, the, the only the third team to go 0-16 uh, 
Um, it's just sad to see them play every week. They just cannot quite piece it together. Uh, a couple big games, uh, records-wise and divisional games that, that were on the um, slate on Sunday was the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. And the Titans really took it to the Colts after the Colts beat them in the first game. The Colts had a very, or excuse me, the Titans had a very balanced game. Derrick Henry, uh, King Henry, as they say, he went off uh, almost almost 200 yards, three touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill, a touchdown pass, also didn't have to uh, throw it too much when you're handing the ball to that big man. Uh, but anyway, uh, the the Titans really uh, blew out the Colts. I know they gave up 26 points, but overall, it wasn't that close. 26, uh, 12 of those points. Uh, came for the Colts in the fourth quarter. So uh, it was, let's see, 28. It was 35-14 at halftime. And uh, really, it never got much closer than that as the Titans with a big win to improve to 8-3. and three, The Colts go to 7-4. and four. So that division is lining up kind of with a, with a tight race towards the end. And honestly, I think that's how it finishes up. I think the Titans take the division. The Colts get in as a wild card uh, right behind the Titans. But this was a big loss for the Colts. Uh, who were really looking to get in that in that position to be a division winner and host a playoff game? So a tough loss for them. Uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs uh, played a pretty good football game on Sunday afternoon. The Chiefs prevailed twenty seven twenty four in the matchup of the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, and probably the future greatest of all time, and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes did what Mahomes does. Uh, threw for a lot of yards, 462 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Tom Brady did okay himself, 345 yards, three touchdowns also, but he did have two interceptions, and I think ultimately that was the difference maker. Uh, Mahomes hit Tyreek Hill uh, early with a couple of big play touchdowns that when you see Kansas City, when they start to uh, have big plays, that's when they really get their their uh, – their momentum, they get in a rhythm, and then it's it's kind of it's kind of trouble from there. Uh, but after uh, spotting the Chiefs 17 points, the Buccaneers did kind of battle back, but ultimately couldn't get the stops at the end to uh, to finish up the comeback, and they fell to seven and five. We saw the Bucks fall to the Rams on Monday Night Football. We saw the Bucks have lost two twice already to the Saints. So really, all the Bucks can go for at this point is a wild card, and that's kind of in jeopardy right now too with. Kind of the like I mentioned the NFC West, the uh, potential of three playoff teams in there, and, and I think after the way the Niners played on Sunday afternoon in Los Angeles, the Niners are quietly going to crawl their way, wound the walking wounded, uh, and, and be in the mix or in the hunt, as they say, uh, for a final playoff spot. And it was the San Francisco 49ers who beat the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium 23-20 to on the last play of the game. Um, Robbie Gold made a 42-yard field goal as time expired. Uh, second time in two years where the 49ers – uh, swept the Rams with a field goal as time expired. So uh, four in a row for the 49ers over the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, to me, for the LA Rams, th- there's no excuse to to lose this game. Absolutely none. Um, the, the 49ers playing with a backup quarterback, playing with all kinds of injuries. And I got to tell you, I continue to say it. I said it a few weeks ago. I think Kyle, Sh- Kyle Shanahan, he does more with less than any coach in recent history. I don't mean the 49ers don't have good players. I mean the 49ers have injured players all over the place. And Kyle Shanahan, when he first got there, he had nothing but injuries. 
He had a pretty healthy team last year, and look what they did. So for the Rams, I saw sloppy tackling, and I also saw uh, just an abysmal performance uh, taking care of the football. Jared Goff with two interceptions and a fumble, uh, so three turnovers for him. Uh, Malcolm Brown turning the ball over for the uh, Rams early in the game as well to give the 49ers uh, a short field and, and, you know, seven points there. So the Rams, you got to give credit to the 49ers, but the Rams did not play well. You cannot turn the ball over like that. The first half, the 49ers absolutely shut down the Rams offense. Three points by, by halftime and it was a low scoring game, but the, the, the Rams just could not get any rhythm. And I think like most offenses, especially theirs, they, they got to establish a run and they ran the ball. Okay. But they weren't able to kind of get into their play action game. They went into a few sets where they were very uh, empty formations or, or Goff was holding onto the ball too much. And you just can't do that against the 49ers, even though the 49ers big pass rushers maybe weren't in the game because of injuries. They're still a very good defense. Uh, one of the best defensive coordinators in the game and Robert Sala and uh, you just cannot give the 49ers opportunities. And that's what the Rams did on Sunday. I sat there, I watched the game with my brother, just shaking my head, throwing stuff at the TV, you know, all of the above. And uh, I thought, you know, the Rams made a little comeback, took the lead late. But when they needed to eat some clock or, or even get another score to extend their three-point lead, they couldn't do it. They stalled. Early in the game, it was run the ball for four yards, run the ball for five yards, uh, throw an incomplete pass for some reason. That's like, what if they're not going to stop the run, just keep running. And then late in the game, they got in this passing rhythm and they just stalled. And I give credit to the San Francisco defense. Richard Sherman looked, looked pretty good out there, uh, back after, uh, again, many injuries. Um, can't say enough about, uh, Samuel for the, uh, 49ers. Debo Samuel, uh, had, had quite a day, hundred and, 33 yards with 11 catches, and, and it was a big play late in the game where he caught a pass on a slant. I think it was third and one, third and two, and uh, took it a good chunk of yards, uh, maybe 30 yards or 20, 20, 30 yards that really put San Francisco in position to uh, to win that football game. And so you, you hats off to the 49ers. Uh, they've now won four in a row over the Rams. Um, the Niners improved to five and six. The Rams go to seven and four. The Rams do have the uh, second best record in the NFC West, but again, with the 49ers, five and six, if they can scrape together a few more victories, okay, only five games left, anything can happen. Um, they don't get to play the Rams anymore, so no more no more guaranteed victories there. Uh, but the LA Rams have to play Seattle one more time. They have to play the Cardinals twice, and I'm not sure uh, where that leaves the 49ers as far as those other teams, but... I think the NFC West might beat up on each other here the last month of the season. I still think three teams get in, but it might not be the, th- the three teams we thought that we'd get in, or at least the order. So I, it pains me to say it, but the 49ers are not out of this yet. 49ers have lost a lot of games this year, and uh, I, I hate saying it, but but they are still in the mix here. And uh, I, I like what they're doing better than Minnesota or Chicago. There's, a, there's other teams that are kind of like, yeah, they're in the hunt, but they're not. I think this game is a, a very bad loss for the Rams. I talked about Arizona, uh, not you know looking back on their their game at New England and saying, "Man, we wish we would have had this one back." Um, I think Jared Goff knows that he played poorly. He knows that he can't do the things that he did on Sunday. I think a lot of people kind of flip out over him when he does things. 
but ultimately, I think Jared Goff is the right quarterback for the Rams. I think he does a great job. He makes some incredible throws. Does he get in trouble with turnovers? Well, yeah, he does. But then again, who doesn't? There are times when, I mean, Tom Brady's thrown interceptions this year. Um, you know, there's been times where we talked about Cam Newton. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers. All these guys have, have struggled at times. The one guy who kind of consistently doesn't turn the ball over is Patrick Mahomes. And that's Patrick Mahomes. That's a whole different uh, story. Uh, so Jared Goff, they, they know what they got to do with him. He's got to hold on to the ball. He's got to not throw the ball to the other team. And uh, I give credit to the Niners for their win, for uh, forcing all those turnovers. Um, but the Rams know what they got to do, and they cannot afford to turn the ball over and and lose many more games here down the stretch because five games left for everybody. Again, I said that's Arizona twice. That is uh, Seattle once up in Seattle, and their other two games are the Jets and the Patriots. And we saw what the Patriots did to the Cardinals. So uh, there are no gimmies up there. Maybe the Jets, but you know, with my luck, the Rams would. Uh, blow, blow it to uh, the New York uh, Jets and give them their first win of the year. But uh, anyway, that was uh, I saved the Rams for last, of course, and for you 49er lovers out there, uh, a big win for you guys. Um, you know, the uh, food tastes a little better when, when you beat the 49ers, um, and, and unfortunately, it does not taste <laughs> It's good when uh, you lose to the 49ers and uh, let alone lose to and uh, get swept on the season for the second consecutive time. So four straight losses to those, uh, those hated ones from up North. And um, you know, I, all I can say is to, to the San Francisco fans up there uh, or, or, you know, to the ones down here in LA, I, I, I can, I applaud you. Congrats. I hope you get your San Francisco giant baseball hats out. Uh, uh, and have those ready to go for the spring training, and don't don't be throwing on LA Dodger hats now. Be consistent. We want consistency here. Going to be a San Francisco 49ers fan. Well, I think you should be a San Francisco Giants fan. That's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Anyway, uh, enough of me uh, pouting about the Rams losing. Uh, I will say with the 49ers, I saw that news on Sunday that Santa Clara County, in their infinite wisdom, has banned all contact sports up in the county. And that includes the uh, San Francisco 49ers who play in, in Santa Clara, as well as Stanford Cardinal, who is in that area too. Um, I, I, I mean, Santa Clara County, they were also making the players uh, wear masks on the sidelines and the broadcasters wear masks on Sunday Night Football. Uh, so Santa Clara County, very, uh, as well as the rest of the Bay Area, very uh, overreactive, in my opinion, to a lot of the things that have been going on. Um, I just, I, I, I don't even know what to say over that. So that could be an obstacle for the 49ers. The fact that not only will they have to play home games in other places, but that, that could be the easiest part because there are no fans. The hardest part is going to be their day-to-day -day operations. They can't practice in Santa Clara. They can't practice at their home, home venue. They're going to have to, they may have to go to another state for, you know, five weeks now to finish up the season. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't, I don't feel sorry for the 49ers, trust me, but it is a little ridiculous. Every other team is, is finishing up their season and, and uh, you know, at their home venue and this and that, and, and Santa Clara County pushing your 49ers out. I, I just, I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't understand it. Um, you could say, oh, health, health, this health, that, but that's pretty brutal. So I don't know what's going to happen with the 49ers. I think uh, game day operations is the least of their worries. It's the day-to-day -day operations, the meeting rooms, the practices, the, the weight training facilities, all those things that they have to uh, kind of 
uh, find rather quickly here because they can't waste a bunch of time finding a new venue and, and this and that. They got to get to work as we know how uh, NFL teams uh, prepare weekly and daily for uh, action every single uh, week in the NFL. So that's kind of enough from, from me on the NFL action that was. Uh, the Rams lose a, a game that uh, I felt they should have won. Um, I, I felt that it was almost a similar performance of the first game between the Niners and the Rams. Very similar. 49ers frustrated the Rams, and then Rams came back a little bit but could never quite tie that game. Well, in this game on Sunday, the Rams did manage to rally and uh, and to take the lead even, but then lost the game late to uh, Nick Mullins. You know, hey, good for him. God bless him. He's getting every every inch of uh, talent out of his uh, out of uh, everything he's got. In hey, I applaud him. Uh, I don't like giving the 49ers credit, but they won the game second second time this year. Uh, half of the Rams' losses are to those San Francisco 49ers. So I got to wait uh, a full year until the Rams can uh, get them back, unless maybe they meet in the playoffs. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, I, no, I don't know if I would like that. I, I don't know if I could live in a world where uh, the 49ers beat the Rams three times in one season. That would be uh, probably the worst thing to happen in 2020. Okay, okay, I know that's saying a lot. Never mind. That's enough out of me. I've rambled enough. Uh, let's take a break and then finish up the show here on our Monday episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, guys, that will wrap up today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. I appreciate you uh, starting your week off with me or whenever you're listening to this episode. It was fun just rambling away about some football, some boxing, just some current events. And uh, you know what? I hope you didn't uh, uh, fall asleep with me rambling away there for an hour or so. I appreciate you joining us. And you guys kind of know what to expect on Mondays now with our Monday segment, just a sports recap. And uh, that's just kind of what we're going to continue to do as uh, the football season winds down here, only about a month left. And then we'll be focusing in on some uh, boxing UFC. Uh, there'll be basketball starting up. There'll be plenty to talk about on Mondays here in the future with the get home safe podcast. Uh, looking forward to each and every Monday with you guys, as we start off our week of, uh, of shows, our three episode, uh, weeks that we have, we do shows on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and we will have some interviews out on Fridays mainly, but on Wednesdays, those are reserved for Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh in. He will be back this week as we talk a little bit more about his COVID recovery. And I'm sure he will have plenty to say about some of the sports he's been watching while he's been on quarantine. A lot of uh, opinions about the NFL, about college football, maybe some of the inconsistent hypocrisies that go on in the sports world. And uh, it'll be great catching up with Bill Barnes on Wednesday. And I hope you will join us on Friday. We have an interview already recorded, ready to go. I will tell more you tell you more about that on Wednesday. Uh, but we do have a couple interviews already ready to go for this Friday and next Friday. But anyone out there interested in recording, definitely reach out to me. We'll try to make it happen so we can stockpile a few interviews and get them out on our Friday episodes of the Get Home Safe podcast. There's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at Yahoo. 
com. Send us questions, send us content suggestions. Uh, if you just need to vent, tell me how bad your sports team is or maybe any other topic topic you want to throw out there, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you just like you hear from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the Get Home Safe podcast. I know Bill Barnes loves hearing from you guys, so be sure to send in those questions or anything that is directed towards Bill. Get that in probably uh, Tuesday by Tuesday evening sometimes. Sometimes we record late Tuesday and sometimes Wednesday early morning, but Tuesdays by noon or so, that's usually good enough and more than enough time to uh, get those to Bill Barnes uh, before we record our weekly Wednesday weigh-in segment. Guys, appreciate all of you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Our house here in Eastvale has transformed into the North Pole. We got Christmas lights everywhere. We got decorations. We got not one, but two big giant trees. Uh, Just a special time of year. I'm very excited about uh, getting to the month of December and finishing up this crazy year of 2020 that we can put behind us uh, and look look forward into much uh, bigger and better things. So Merry Christmas to all. Now that Thanksgiving is over, it's a month long of Christmas season. And uh, I will be mentioning that probably every episode here on the Get Home Safe podcast. So stay safe out there. Get your shopping done early. Wrap those presents. Maybe do some online shopping. Get that stuff out to friends and family. So you know what? You don't have to stress. You can just sit by the fireplace, look at your tree, have have a cold drink, a hot drink, however you like to calm down and just chill. Don't be stressed this time of year, right? There's enough to be stressed about. Get your shopping done. Don't yet. We know most people won't spend a lot of money this year, but just get it done early. That's all I can say. And I'm talking to myself here as well. I need to get some stuff done early. So I'm going to do my best guys to get these episodes out on time. I promise you my best effort. I got a lot to do, a lot of Christmas shopping, a lot of hours to work, a lot of things, but I love spending time with you guys and rambling and venting away here on the microphone. And I just appreciate all of you guys for tuning in whenever you are listening to our podcast. Guys, that's enough out of me. But guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounding third base, get home safe.